we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And good Monday, everyone. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today on this, the Monday after the election. And boy, as the Monday morning quarterbacking ever started on the results that we know thus far in this election, many disappointed Republicans, conservatives still kind of scratching their head because all of those polls said it was going to be a red wave. Uh, But Here's a shock. The polls weren't quite uh, depicting things accurately. We've heard that story before. But we're going to talk about that in a few minutes and what's being said and who's being blamed and uh, where do we go from here. And so I uh, want to mention that. But first, want to talk about this horrible incident at the University of Virginia last night, a shooting that left three students dead and two wounded, the suspect in the case uh, who got away from the scene, he was identified early on as Christopher Darnell Jones Jr., uh, was apprehended this morning. Uh, we don't know a lot about what happened. It was near a parking garage there at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. Apparently, the victims were getting off a bus They had returned from, according to Fox News, a field trip somewhere, and that's when the shooting took place. There are reports that the victims and the suspect were members of a football team. So that is all we know at this point. It's a community in shock, and needless to say, our prayers go out to the family and the community there at the University of Virginia. I'm sure as the suspect makes an appearance in court, we will likely find out uh, a whole lot more about this. But as I say, our prayers for those folks today, and uh, we'll find out what's happening. There's a similar case, but uh, a bit more mystery to it all at the University of of Idaho, where four students were found dead in a home near the campus there last night. Now, I will read you from um, the Associated Press. Uh, This is in uh, Moscow, Idaho. Officers with the police department there discovered the deaths when they responded to a report of an unconscious person just before noon yesterday. Police, now this is confusing, police have called the deaths suspected homicides, a legal term that doesn't necessarily suggest the deaths were intentional. That's why I say that is somewhat confusing. But once again, our hearts go out to the families involved with this. I'm sure, uh, obviously, much more details on that story to come. But uh, these tragedies happen all too often. The left will respond to this by, of course, calling it gun violence. Uh, but you know what? It is the guns in the hands of individuals with real heart problems. And that is the case. And uh, that's what has to be dealt with in all of these cases. But uh, as I say, we will try to keep you up to date as best as possible. Well, as I mentioned, off the top of the program, uh, a lot of uh, discussions today. Uh, 
about where we are with the election results. Uh, we're a week uh, out and uh, still undetermined in the Senate, although on the weekend it was confirmed that Democrats have uh, won the Senate seats in Nevada and in Arizona. Uh, those are two seats in particular that the Republicans thought they would pick up. Uh, but the Democrats now are sitting with 50 seats in the Senate, the Republicans 49. Uh, there, of course, will be that runoff in uh, in uh, Georgia coming up on December the 6th. And uh, so it's not going to change the status quo all that much. If the Democrats win, they get 51. If Republicans, it goes 50-50 uh, with Kamala Harris, of course, voting with the Democrats. So that's where that is. Now, on the House, there is still, and this is part of the larger story as well, tens of thousands of votes still to be counted in Arizona. But NBC is reporting on the House side. They are projecting that the Republicans will win the House by the slimmest of margins. There was some talk early on they might take 25 seats, uh, that it would be a sound majority. But according to the NBC, looking at the various seats that are still to report final results, uh, but looking at the margins, NBC is saying the Republicans will pick up 219 seats, the Democrats 216. Uh, but as our boss here uh, at American Family Association, Tim Wildman, says, it just takes one seat control uh, to change the whole environment in the House. In other words, Nancy Pelosi goes packing back to San Francisco and somebody, a Republican, becomes majority leader and uh, they have the, the, uh, the responsibility and the privilege then of uh, the chairmanships of all the committees. Uh, that'll be the end of the uh, January 6th commission. Not too many conservatives uh, will be weeping over the disappearance of that. Uh, but there will be a major change. And, of course, the Republicans uh, will provide some check and balance to the Biden administration's agenda uh, by controlling the House. But, as I say, by the slimmest of margins. And that's where it kind of gets down to the discussion of, of what happened last Tuesday. Because the polls leading up uh, had the predictions of this large red wave. And that simply did not happen. And so a lot of discussion about that. Mark Levin, a well-known commentator, uh, is one of those that's offering an opinion uh, today on that. And want to hear his opinion on what happened last Tuesday and what it means for Republicans. Cut number five. It wasn't going to happen. They're deluding themselves. The Democrats made no progress in the Senate, and they desperately needed to make progress this election cycle. At best, they'll get one seat. And they're celebrating that they only lost the House by a relative few votes. And the GOP can now block these radical kook programs that Biden's pushing. They can conduct investigations. They can do what they need to do, and they better. But is this good enough? No, it's not good enough. If the Republicans allow the same D.C. establishment, many of whom you see on TV all the time, telling you how smart they are and they know everything, if they allow them to control 
the agenda and the money, the future's bleak. All right, that's Mark Levin. Now, he did not mention any names, but he says there needs to be a change in the leadership of the Republican Party. Many people have talked about on the Senate side, Mitch McConnell. Um, that's that's one change. Uh, many people are saying, well, Kevin McCarthy, is he's been minority leader, and that he'll slip into a majority leader, House Speaker, uh, uh, seat uh, when the Republicans take over. But but now, in true Republican style, because <laughs> that's where Democrats and Republicans seem to differ. Democrats seem to be a one voice most of the time. Republicans, they put their dirty laundry out there, and uh, that's out there. Many people questioning whether Kevin McCarthy should be the speaker. And one of those is Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs. And that's, uh, here's a comment from him, cut number six. I would say maybe not so fast. Maybe we should have a good discussion within the confines of our internal uh, body. Uh, look, we were, we were told we were gonna have an incredible, incredible um, wave. And if that would have been the case, I mean, 20, 30, 40 seat margin, anywhere in there, you would say, well, okay, Kevin's the, the presumptive uh, uh, Republican nominee for speaker. but. I think we need to have a serious discussion. He's he's backpedaled on things like impeachment, and and in some ways that indicates a willingness to be uh, weakening the oversight authority that we need to have and the leverage points we need to have in order to deal with a Democrat president. I will tell you, Emerald, if we're going to go in for eight months of, of performance art um, instead of really getting things done, then we will fail in preparing for a 2024 election where we have to win to get the White House, the Senate, and the House back. All right. So that's Andy Biggs representing that one side that has questions about Kevin McCarthy becoming the House Speaker. So uh, as as we sit today, we're still waiting for the final results of the Senate. We won't know that until December the 6th. The official House results... Uh, yet to be seen, but as I mentioned, NBC projecting the Republicans will take 219 seats, the Democrats 216. Uh, waiting on the governor race, certainly in Arizona, Carrie Lake uh, is uh, the favorite to win at this point, but they have, I think at last report, shortly becoming into the, before coming into the studio, about a, at least 100,000 votes still to be counted. Uh, in that Arizona governor's race. So we have to wait on that. So where are we? Um, as I say, uh, debates has to the direction of the Republican Party. It was supposed to be an easy win, but it was not. So the predictable whose fault it is, uh, questions being asked. Um, some are saying that the Republicans underestimated the Democrat strategy on a couple of points. Remember the Democrats early on in the wake of the Supreme Court decision on Dobbs said they were going to make abortion the major uh, issue for them to go across the country, send their disciples out and say that uh, Republicans want and the right to abortion. That was the line. A lot of political strategists on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, said that wasn't going to be strong enough because all the polls told us the economy. It's, you know, it's the economy, stupid. That's what it's all about. And crime. 
certainly in uh, Democrat-run cities. Crime, big concern. New York, uh, basically Lee Zeldin, who was running for governor for the Republicans uh, there, uh, said, you know, it's all about crime. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, apparently, the abortion argument resonated, according to some analysts, with young single women in particular. Uh, that's what some of the initial analysis is saying, that it resonated with. And, and some are saying the early clue to the success of that came in the defeat of that resolution in Kansas. And it was hard to understand that. But that's where that is. And so perhaps on the issue of abortion, uh, some people are saying because there was this line that was put out there by the Democrats that it was kind of an all-or-nothing thing that the Republicans wanted to wipe out the right to abortion in all cases, and then there was some modification of that, exceptions for rape and incest and that sort of thing. But uh, the analysis is that that abortion issue resonated with certain groups of people. The other thing being said is that um, the, the messaging of the Republicans wasn't strong enough. There is going to be the question, the ongoing question, and it started already about the influence of former President Trump. Now, he is still expected to have an announcement tomorrow. Many people say he will announce that he is going to run for president again in 2024. And there are questions about did his influence in the midterms have a negative impact because many of the candidates that he backed did not win. Uh, there are still many, and many of you, who believe that Trump should be backed. There are others who say no. Uh, it is time for a new team on the field. Uh, people like Ron DeSantis uh, in Florida. So that debate is going to continue, and likely with Trump's announcement tomorrow, it'll break out even more. So uh, if you thought things were going to get quiet in the political realm for a little while now, think again. I think the eruption is just starting. All right, you're listening to The Core. Fred sitting in for Walker. Much more ahead on this edition, the Monday edition of The Core. Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Here, Jesus instructed his disciples to cross a lake and meet him on the other side of it. As they went, they were met by a violent windstorm that halted their progress. Often in our Christian lives, we receive clear instruction from the Lord, only to be met by an obstacle that halts our progress. We must, however, recognize that the onset of a storm does not cancel out God's instructions. Halted progress does not equal denied destination. When Jesus directed the disciples to go to the other side, he absolutely meant for them to get there. Delay does not equal denial. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising God the Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. 
I'm sorry. Okay. Geez, what else do you want from me? Heard this lately from your girl? Whether she says it to you or a sibling, the words and tone hold many layers of brokenness to filter through. How do you gently guide this response into a godly directed conversation? Hebrews 11 verse 6 says that those who seek the Lord with an earnest heart will be rewarded by God. The reward? Godliness. The earnest heart is key here. Like her disingenuous apology, your girl might need a shift of heart. Sorry means very little apart from genuine remorse. Since the Lord sees her heart, pray with your girl to open her heart to the Holy Spirit, renewing her mind and recreating her heart in His image. It can make all the difference. Like what you've heard? Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a healthcare plan that isn't affordable or you simply just don't like how it works, well, right now, during open enrollment is a perfect time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the industry. That's double. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for 30 years. It's shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. And here's why now is the perfect time to make the switch. If you join MediShare Complete by January 1st, they will waive your new member fees and you'll save an additional 10% off your first year. That's right. No fee to join, 10% off every month for all of next year. But again, it's a limited time offer. So yeah, you're not stuck. You've got a great option. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, we're back on this Monday edition of the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for a walker. Well, uh, if you're like our family, uh, over the last few days, uh, we spent some time in certain stores picking up items uh, for the annual uh, Operation Christmas Child. It's kind of a fun thing to do because many times you run into people who are doing the same thing. They're getting boxes ready. And uh, we're going to talk to a spokesperson for Operation Christmas Child right now. We have Alex Sanjamana. Do I have that right, Alex? That's, yeah, that's correct. Alex Sanjamana. Sanjamana. Uh, I take it you're from Ireland. <laughs> I'm originally from, uh, I actually tell people that I'm part Irish, and so you, you, you got it. <laughs> but I'm, I'm originally from Rwanda, East Africa. Okay, yeah, that, that sounds more like it, Alex. Hey, listen, great to have yeah, you with yeah. us today. Alex, uh, this is an exciting time. I understand that uh, you will get probably this year to the 200 millionth gift-filled shoebox since this all started in 1993. I'd call that a successful program. That's, that's correct. We are very grateful that uh, our precious Christmas child has reached more than uh, close to 200 million children this year. And it's, uh, it's, an, it's a, a privilege to be able to share what God continues to do through this ministry. Absolutely. Hey, listen, uh, I want to get into some of the details, the logistics of all of this, but in case somebody is listening right now and they would like to get involved with this because it's so exciting uh, that these boxes are sent to kids all over the world, uh, what kinds of things go into the boxes? Uh, 
Yeah, we, when you pack an oppression Christmas shoebox gift, we ask people to uh, think of uh, uh, fun items that uh, kids, uh, children from two to, two to 14 can enjoy, such as school supplies, hygiene items, and toys, uh, and all, all these items that a, uh, a child would, would enjoy to play. So kind of think of a kind of uh, like a wow item, such as a soccer ball or a stuffed animal. Um, and uh, these uh, these items go into this uh, shoebox size box, and uh, uh, our president Christmas child collects these boxes uh, during the National Week, uh, the National Collection Week, actually, which is kicked off this uh, this week of November 14th through the 21st. And we send these shoeboxes to more than 160 countries, and it's an opportunity to bring hope and love uh, to children in need. Yeah, and and Alex, I I like to try to draw a picture for people. Uh, these are little boys, little girls. What age range, approximately? Yeah, uh, age uh, two to four, uh, five to nine, and ten to fourteen. Ten to fourteen. So different age groups, and you know, I've seen mm-hmm. some of the videos. Uh, these kids opening up these shoe boxes, and, and I tell you what, it just brings joy to your heart to see the joy yeah. that they have on their faces. I got to ask you, Alex, where. Where you want, because very often Operation Christmas Child and people we come on and we interview, uh, did you receive one of these boxes back in, 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 in years ago? Yeah, when I was seven years old, I was uh, living in an orphanage in the country of Rwanda where I grew up. I was born and raised. And uh, my journey of actually receiving a shoebox case was uh, right after the genocide against the Tutsi tribe that I had taken in Rwanda in 1994. And uh, right after the genocide ended in 1994, Samaritans first responded, and they were uh, helping people physically and spiritually. And so a year later, in 1995, they came to our orphanage that I re- lived in at that time, and they brought our fresh and Christmas child shoe boxes. And as a seven-year-old, I lived in this orphanage, and our fresh and Christmas child shoe box gift was the very first gift I ever received in my life. And that was very powerful because it reminded me that I was not forgotten that I was special that someone out there was thinking about me. And I tell you what, Alex, uh, the main goal is not just those gifts, and the gifts are important in those boxes, and it shows the love of individuals, but uh, the goal is to get the gospel into the hearts of these kids. That's correct. So today we, uh, Operation Christmas Church partners with the local church uh, in more than 170 countries where the boxes are going, and it's an opportunity uh, to partner with the local church who knows their culture, and they invite many of the kids who receive the shoeboxes, and they do a discipleship program. Uh, the ministry de- developed a 12-week discipleship program called The Greatest Journey, and it's amazing to know that once the kids receive the, the tangible items, such as the school supplies and hygiene items, you know, those items are going to be used up. You know, when I got to receive my shoebox gift, I kept the hair comb for the next three years. But it's the eternal gift that stays with them forever, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ, that they get a chance to hear when they receive the shoebox gift, and then they get an opportunity to go through the 12-week discipleship lesson lesson called the Daily Journey. And God's kingdom grows. Uh, So through Operation Christmas Child, evangelism happens through the shoeboxes, and uh, uh, discipleship happens through the Daily Journey, and multiplication of God's kingdom grows because those children are going to see their homes and sharing the gospel uh, with their friends and families. Amen. It's a tremendous, tremendous outreach. Now, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the official uh, drop-off week, the collection week. That's right. All right. Yeah. Uh, can, where can people go? Because I understand you have 4,500 drop-off locations around the country. So somebody listening right now, they want to go out yeah. and they want to get their shoebox ready. Uh, so what yeah. happens then if they don't happen to have a church that's participating in this where can they find out where to drop off these boxes? Yeah. When uh, one of the very first things they can do, they can go on our website at SamaritansFirst.org. Uh, they can go on there and they can, they, there's already a link that's very easy to find. They can put in their zip code and their zip code locator will be able to pull up the nearest church, uh, the near, nearest drop-off location where they can drop off their boxes. And uh, that is the best way thing you can do this week. And then if you're thinking, oh, my goodness, I, I don't have the time to, to pack one physically or even have the time to drop it off, you can also check on that website at SamaritansFirst.org to actually pack one online as well and bless another child. And so, yeah, uh, this week, November 14th through the 21st, we're collecting the boxes so that we can reach more children of the good news. All right. So once again, that website is samaritanspurse.org and you say there's a link there uh, that will take them to uh, the place where they find out where they can drop off these boxes. That's correct. Yeah, they can go on and enter their zip code of where uh, they're located and they will pull up the nearest location. All right. Alex, thank you so much and uh, the prayers of thousands of Americans across the country Once again, we'll be going up for this because we physically may never see the child opening our box. But God knows right now where those boxes are going. He knows the little boy, the little girl who will get that box. And our prayers are that that box will open the door to an eternity in heaven for these kids. Amen. 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 Alex Senjamana, thank you so much. And no, you're not from Ireland. And uh, <laughs> you, you have. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, Alex. And uh, our prayers. And uh, hopefully, in our chat today, we've just kind of jogged the memory or introduced people to the first time to this absolutely incredible shoebox program that Samaritan's Purse started way back in 1993. And as we say, this year uh, will mark a milestone for Operation Christian with Child, 200th millionth gift-filled shoebox since 1993. And uh, what a blessing this has been. Alex, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, and uh, God bless you. All right. Take care, Alex. All right. Once again, I want to mention this, SamaritansPurse.org. And uh, we'll have this on uh, our Facebook page, correct? Uh, Talking to our producer, Bobby, here, so you can go there as well. Yeah, our podcast as well. So uh, get that information. It is a wonderful thing to do. By the way, uh, you're familiar, probably many of you, with with the shoeboxes, the traditional shoeboxes. But you can get a box of similar size and... uh, and and it can be a plastic box with a lid on it. And actually, uh, we've been told that sometimes the kids really like those. 
uh, because they get to keep those plastic boxes to put what what they get in the shoebox from, hold on to that or other things. It's kind of a uh, a bonus for kids. So you may not be able to get to a place where you get that traditional cardboard uh, shoebox, but you can buy those. You can go to those big box stores. They sell them. One in particular uh, started by Sam Walton. And uh, you can go there and get one of those boxes. There are a couple of uh, plastic boxes. There are a couple of dollars. And you can fill those up. Once again, go to SamaritansPurse.org. And you can, there's a link there where you can go and find out where the drop-off places are. Now, many of you have churches that are involved with this, and uh, perhaps you did it yesterday at your church uh, or coming up in the next week or so. It's amazing what Samaritan's Purse has done. Uh, they collect all of these. It goes to a distribution place in Atlanta, and uh, they go through the box because there are some restrictions. And I, I just want to read that again, the kind of things that are okay uh, a small stuffed animal, uh, a clothing outfit that will kind of capture the tr- uh, child's attention, uh, some fun toys, hygiene items, uh, school supplies, those kinds of things. Uh, now, I'm told you have to be careful. They don't like something military because, remember, these are going into 150 different countries, so you want to be careful about that. You know, something you, very innocently, you might put a a toy that's a tank or something like that in there. And they they kind of got to be careful of sharp items, that sort of thing. So stay away from, from those sorts of things. But there's so many other things. Uh, just, just think of a child wanting to have fun and uh, little fun things. These, the, the little uh, stuffed animal things, I think just, I've seen the, the videos of these kids as they open up these boxes. Uh, the little girls like, Little girl things, you know, maybe socks, colorful socks, that kind of thing. Uh, the guys, uh, just a variety of different things. They like clothing items too, but other fun things. So anyway, that gives you kind of an idea of uh, what to be thinking about when you do those boxes. Do that, and as I say, uh, put it into the Lord's hand and see what the Lord can do with us because as we just heard from our guest Alex Senjamana, uh, he was at an orphanage in Rwanda and was there and got one of these boxes and look at the difference it made in his life. And we hear those stories over and over and over again. Kind of puts things in priorities, doesn't it? When you talk about these kinds of things uh, with regards to, you know, there's much to discuss about politics here in the wake of the election, but, uh, you know, the real important things is where souls spend eternity. Amen? And uh, that's uh, to be our major concern at all times. But you know, we only have a few minutes before we have to go to another break. And we were talking about the, uh, well, uh, the hand-wringing, the discussions that are going on in the wake of the election last week, and uh, what happened to all the predictions of the big red wave. And, and I think the reality is the, the country is uh, divided. We are. Uh, the country is very much divided, and it has proven it once again. It's a, it's a, it's a 50-50 country when it comes to uh, conservative economic policies, what people favor. Uh, it does not surprise me. Uh, some of the early analysis shows that uh, many people in the age of 18 to 25 to 30 
uh, tend to look at economics differently than than what uh, people who are older. Uh, so we are. Um, that doesn't surprise me because many of them have been influenced in their schools to more kind of socialist policies. And so they favor a party that's, let's face it, going to give them all kinds of money. Uh, I don't think there is any secret. It was an attempt uh, by the Biden administration leading up to this election uh, to do the tuition bailout program. By the way, a judge on Friday put a, another stop to that. And right now, I understand just before coming into the studio, uh, there was a report the Biden administration has even stopped taking applications for that. There's no question. That was an attempt to buy votes, and that would be appealing to an individual who's looking for a bailout. Uh, So that's one thing that certainly worked uh, for the Democrats in that case. But also, um, the... The Democrats were very successful, and perhaps you haven't heard about this. The Democrats spent close to $50 million promoting candidates in Republican primaries that they thought would prove detrimental to the Republican cause. And primarily, they ID'd what they thought were Described were radical candidates. So, and and early on during the campaign, there were Democrats that were critical of those spending money on those candidates because those candidates did extremely well. They started to do extremely well against, uh, like Lee Zeldin, uh, in the case of New York against the uh, the Democrat incumbent, and in in Michigan uh, against Gretchen Whitmer, the Democrat. So. Uh, But it turns out uh, that that money was well spent for the Democrats uh, because uh, they were able to then demonize the candidates that they spent money promoting. Then they demonized them to the point that they look bad to many, um, I'll call them low-information voters. All right? So that's how all that happened. Joe Biden uh, has gone on a world tour. He's been visiting climate change talks in Egypt. Uh, Today he was in Indonesia meeting with Chinese leader Xi and we'll talk a little bit about that but also what's happening with Christians in Afghanistan and uh, we'll be talking to a very special guest about that as well. Much more ahead on the Monday edition of The Core. Fred sitting in for Walker. Don't go away. AFR programming is now available on Alexa. You're joking, right? Nope, not joking. Seriously? Yep, this is not a drill. Wait a minute, no way. There's a way, the Alexa way. So if you just happen to miss your favorite shows, no worries. You can now listen to each podcast with Alexa. It's simple and it's free. Just visit AFR.net forward slash apps and click Alexa. We're not joking. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. Use the Submit Trash button at OneMillionMoms.com. That's OneMillionMoms.com. And thanks. 
The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. They were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. Paul writes, when one part of the body suffers, we suffer together. This is Bible League International, and the persecuted church around the world is paying a heavy price simply for following the Lord Jesus Christ. Warlocks burned down the home and shanty church that Emilio pastors in Chiapas, Mexico, near the border of Guatemala. And these male witches, they surrounded the homes of church members so they couldn't leave for two weeks. All of this because Christians oppose their pagan worship, but they lovingly share the gospel with those who persecute them. Listen, hundreds have come to Christ, and when I ask these heroes of the faith, how can we pray for you? They never say pray for an end to our suffering because they know God's working through it. What they pray for is that new believers will be able to endure and persevere under tremendous hardship and you can do that when you can open your own Bible and be reminded of God's precious promises. $5 sends a Bible, $50 sends 10, $500 sends 100. Please, in this season of giving, pray about it and then call 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give it sendbiblesnow.org. Sendbiblesnow.org. Org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, welcome back to this Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today. And uh, how about the weather change? I don't know what it's like where you live, but man, oh man, even up in Tennessee, they had snow on the weekend. Uh, it's, it's kind of whiplash. Now I've been living in the South for 25 years now and I'm, I'm okay. Uh, with, I, in fact, I really enjoy the winter weather. It's, it's a blessing. But, uh, when you go from 80 to, uh, 37, uh, overnight, uh, that, that's a little bit hard to take, but that's, uh, that's okay. Uh, God is in control. You just dig out the jackets that have been in back of that closet for months and, uh, and you prepare for it, uh, but uh, this weekend was something else in the change of weather. But you folks living living up north, I know you're saying, "Come on, you Southerners, you know, get on with it." It's the middle of November. Um, that's where you need to be. All right, you know, um, we've been talking a lot about politics, and certainly one of the big political stories since Joe Biden became president of the United States. Uh, one of the things much criticized was the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and I'm sure those pictures at the airport there of those people trying to flee uh, the Taliban terrorists before they took over, uh, so moving. Uh, The loss of American life there, of course, you remember, of those soldiers who were killed in that suicide bombing. Uh, But, you know, there were many left behind, many of those who, Afghanis, who helped Americans during their time in Afghanistan, uh, 
bitter hearts over the loss of life of Americans, American servicemen, people asking, okay, for what? Uh, but also the concerns of those who are Christians in Afghanistan, uh, many who were left behind in that and their fate under the Taliban. And uh, we want to talk right now with a, a man who has his pulse on all of this, and it's our good friend Todd Nettleton of Voice of the Martyrs. Todd, welcome to the core. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. Todd, uh, you've d- been doing a report. You've done a report. Voice of the Martyr has done a report. Uh, Try to bring us up to date on what is happening with Christians uh, there in Afghanistan. Well, the key thing I, I think for our listeners to understand is that there are still Christians in Afghanistan. You know, uh, as you talked about, when the Taliban took over, so many Afghans wanted to get out of the country. So many Afghans wanted to flee. Uh, and many of those were Christians because those Afghans who were known to have converted, so they had made some kind of public statement about their conversion, or perhaps they had worked closely with a Christian aid organization in Afghanistan. Those who were sort of publicly outed as Christians, they knew their lives were in danger. When the Taliban took over, they absolutely knew the Taliban thinks they're going to give us one chance to return to Islam, and if we don't do it, they're going to kill us. Uh, that, that is their theology. That's how they treat Christians. There are other Afghan Christians, though, who maybe were not known to be Christian, hadn't worked with Westerners. They had been led to Christ maybe online, maybe by another Afghan Christian, and were not publicly known to be Christians. Many of those stayed in the country, and they're still there. They're still there sharing the gospel. They're still there serving the Lord, uh, but they are they are targeted. The the Taliban is looking for them. They don't want there to be Christians in Afghanistan. Uh, So it is a very dangerous place to follow Christ. Todd, try to paint a picture for us of what it's like to be a Christian in a hostile Muslim nation like Afghanistan right now. Well, you know, even before the Taliban took over the country, uh, Afghanistan was a restricted nation. They had an Islamic government, uh, but usually in Afghanistan, and and this is actually very common in Islamic countries, uh, the persecution doesn't start with the government. It doesn't start with the police or the court system or, or whoever's in charge of the government. Persecution starts at your own house. It starts with your father. It starts with your older brother who says, we are a Muslim family. You want to be a part of this family? You need to be a Muslim. If you're not a Muslim anymore, we don't have a spot for you. We don't have room for you. You need to come back to Islam. And so that really is the front line of persecution, is is the family. Uh, And so it's one of the things we ask people to pray for, is that whole families will come to Christ at the same time, uh, because that kind of eliminates that first line of persecution. If if everybody in the family uh, encounters Christ, meets Christ at the same time, you don't have that first line of persecution. But then since last August, the, the takeover by the Taliban, uh, now it's not just your family that's after you, it is also the government. And the previous Afghan government allowed people, at least on paper, to change their religion, uh, but they kept records of who did that. You know, if you went in and applied for a new ID card that didn't say Muslim anymore, it said Christian now, There, there's a record of that in the government office. Well, who is the government now? The government now is the Taliban. So they have those records. They know who those people are. And that's one of the reasons so many Christians wanted to flee the country ahead of the Taliban takeover. What if somebody is listening right now and they say, that, is there anything that I can do 
to help these precious Christians. Yes, we can pray for them, of course. That's number one. But is there anything else that that can be done to get help, to get encouragement to them? Well, first thing is pray. And we certainly want to encourage our listeners to pray because we know God can move, God can do things that we can't do. There are ways to help Afghan Christians, and Voice of the Martyrs is in contact with Christians inside the country. We are also in contact with Afghans who fled the country, but are still in the surrounding nations. They're in Pakistan, they're in Iran, they're in Tajikistan, and they are still serving the Lord. In fact, many of them are serving the Lord back in Afghanistan through the internet, through phone calls, through other means. They are sharing the gospel, they are encouraging people to follow Christ back in Afghanistan, even though they are physically not in Afghanistan any longer. Voice of the Martyrs is helping, is in contact with Christians like that. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, and and the voice of radio, uh, I tell you what, uh, I've heard so many testimonies about the importance because the Taliban can't stop a radio signal uh, getting in and uh, just being an encouragement to these people. So be praying. Now, uh, Muslim nations are not the only problem for many Christians. Uh, we also have now uh, China. We've heard of stories of persecution for many years. Uh, but she, the, the head, the president, uh, has got himself another at least five years. And when I talk about opposition in China, it's almost non-existent. What does that mean? Uh, what, is, what do you feel is the government of China's agenda for Christians? Well, if you look back at the last 10 years that Xi Jinping has been in charge of the Communist Party, in charge of the government of China, we have seen a dramatic increase in persecution of Christians. More churches closed down, more pastors thrown in prison, more control of religious expression. Uh, And so when you think about it, and I like that you said at least five more years, because it looks like he's going to have this job uh, as long as he wants it, So at least five more years of Xi Jinping means at least five more years of increased persecution of our Christian brothers and sisters and and a real decrease in religious freedom. You know, we talk about the persecution of Christians, but there's also a million-plus Muslims that are essentially in concentration camps in western China. Xi Jinping wants to control the hearts and minds of the people. He sees Christianity, he sees any religion— as a direct competition to the Communist Party for the control of the hearts and minds of the people. And so he wants to control that. And we've seen over the last 10 years the Chinese government come in and say, hey, we want you as a church, even the registered church, even the legal churches, we want you to put a camera on your platform facing the audience in your church, facing the congregation, so that we can monitor who's there, what are they doing, how fervent do they seem in the service. And, you know, a lot of Christians, even again in the registered church, said, no, we're not going to allow your camera here. Well, we're going to close down your church then. Uh, They literally have encouraged churches, okay, you've been singing Christian hymns at the beginning of your service, We're going to tweak that a little bit, and now you're going to start singing Communist Party hymns at the beginning of your service. You had a picture of Jesus Christ at the front of your sanctuary. We're going to tweak that a little bit, and you're going to put up a picture of Xi Jinping at the front of your sanctuary. So for Christians in China, they know the level of control that the Chinese government wants, and and Xi Jinping now has almost complete power to enact his wishes, and his wish is to control the people. You know, uh, I have to, why, why do governments uh, like the government of China right now, what do they see as the threat of Christians? What is it about Christians 
that a communist government says is a threat? You know, I think if, if you were to ask them, uh, I think there's a perception that Christianity is an American religion. Christianity, that's the American religion. They see it as an American kind of a CIA activity to build up the church because the church is American. Uh, you know, Jesus wasn't from America. <laughs> he was from the Middle East. Uh, and so it's a, it's a misunderstanding of it. But again, the other thing is control. If you wake up every morning thinking, how am I going to honor Christ in my life today? How am I going to live in such a way that Christ is honored? You are, by definition, not waking up thinking, how am I going to be a good communist today? How am I going to serve the interests of the Communist Party today? Xi Jinping wants you to wake up every morning and think, how can I be a good communist today? He doesn't want you to wake up and think, how can I honor Christ? And so it really is a direct competition for the hearts and minds of the Chinese people. Uh, and, and he understands that. He knows that. And he wants the Communist Party to win. Hmm. We didn't talk about this before we went on the air. Do you see, because you observe Christian persecution all over the world, Voice of Martyrs. We're talking with Todd Nettleton, the Voice of the Martyrs. Do you, in, let me put it this way, in recent years, do you see some of that oppression, some of that concern for Christian freedoms manifesting itself in the West and, yes, even here in the United States? Do you start, are you starting to see some of that same kind of, we want to know what you're thinking, we want to know where you go to church? Starting, that, starting to see that kind of thinking in the Western world. You know, I think we certainly see here in the U.S. the, the cultural winds blowing against uh, biblical Christianity, against following what Jesus asked us to do. Uh, but uh, I would remind American Christians that that really shouldn't be a surprise to us. You know, uh, Jesus said, the world hates me, and if you follow me, the world is going to hate you too. Um, we sort of gloss that over in America, because that hasn't been our experience. That hasn't been something we've had to deal with. Uh, but certainly, as you look around at, at the cultural things, as you think about, you know, marriage, as you think about human sexuality, uh, the cultural winds are blowing against biblical Christianity. And uh, we've talked about this here at our office. For a young person today who is just going out in the job market, uh, you will pay a price professionally for being a strong, outspoken, biblical Christian. Uh, those are not popular views in our culture. And, and so understanding that there's a price to be paid is something that we certainly want to train up our young people, our students, to understand that. We also want to remind them that's exactly what Jesus promised would happen. So we shouldn't be surprised by that. We should be prepared for that. And one of the best ways to prepare is by seeing our brothers and sisters who live in communist China or in Afghanistan or in Iran who have lived for generations under this persecution and are still serving the Lord, are still victorious, still have a smile on their face. Those are the people who can teach us how to thrive under persecution. You know, it's interesting, I think, Todd, in that God's Word kind of uh, warns us about that is when trials come, uh, they have a way of actually strengthening our faith. They absolutely do. And, you know, you think about the church in China. Uh, when the Communist Party took over in 1949, the church in China was much, much smaller than it is today. Uh, and so that church has grown 
under communism, under a government system that absolutely did not want it to grow, and the church has grown. Uh, You look at the fastest-growing church in the world today is in the Islamic Republic of Iran. Since 1979, it's been an Islamic Republic. the, The government has been Islam. The government has been the mullahs. They absolutely do not want the church to grow. And here it is, you know, 40 years later, it's the fastest growing church in the world. So we shouldn't necessarily look at government restriction and think, oh, no, that's going to stop the church from growing. It never has in all of biblical history, uh, and it won't stop it next year or the year after that either. Todd, uh, Voice of the Martyrs, how can people get more information about everything that we've been talking about, Christians, China, Afghanistan, and, and indeed talk about the characteristics of persecution. Uh, Where can people go to get more information? Our website is persecution.com. Right at the top of the page, there's a button that says free magazine. Just click on that. Give us your name and address. Every month, we'll send you the stories of persecuted Christians around the world. Again, the website persecution.com. All right. Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyrs, thank you so much for being with us and bringing us up to date and keeping us sensitive uh, to what Christians are facing uh, around the world and and how we should prepare for possibly uh, those kinds of challenges right here in the U.S. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Todd Nettleton, Voice of the Martyr. Hey, been good to be with you today. A lot of information there. Uh, don't forget Operation Christmas Child uh, going on right now all this week. Get your box ready. Be a blessing. Be a vehicle to get the gospel to kids all over the world. And as Todd Nettleton has just reminded us, be praying for the persecuted Christians around the world. And be aware that persecution could happen here in the U.S. and we should be ready for it. Great to be with you today. Fred sitting in for Walker. And we'll see you again real soon. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.